Welcome in everyone to another episode of The Rant. Uh, today we're going to talk about um, a few trending topics. Uh, the main one is this new uh, NCAA uh, bill that is being proposed to pass in the state of California from Governor Newsom. I'm going to dive into that in a second, but I do want to do a quick recap of Monday Night Football for those who did uh, stay up and watch, even though it did kind of turn into a lopsided game and we did see really how bad Cincinnati is. And I still don't believe they're the worst team in the league. I 100% believe Miami is the worst team in the league, uh, but Cincinnati is right there with them as just as bad. Uh, interesting things to note that I will say in this game is uh, the offense that the Steelers ran was extremely interesting. It's something that cannot, I repeat, it cannot be um, repeated. It's something that they, they just they need to use right now, but they cannot rely on what that offense happened in order to move forward. It's it's not the correct way to go about things. It is, as some may call the Wildcat, gimmicky. Um, what it really was, though, is it was really good offensive scheming because the Steelers were down to a tight end who they acquired uh, through a trade who had really no recollection of, of their offense. He was only in uh, town for about three or four days of actual practice, and he didn't understand the offensive concepts well enough to know the full play plethora of playbook. And then they have a rookie as their other tight end as both Vance McDonald and Xavier Gribbled were injured. Therefore, their blocking concepts were a little bit, um, you know, hard to understand from, from the tight end perspective. And being a blocker down, they decided to run a lot of zone, outside rushing, jet sweeps, wildcat stuff where they're running outside. A lot of that had to do with the personnel. More of it had to do with the fact that the uh, that the Cincinnati Bengals liked uh, to run a three defensive tackle base defense to stop the run. They put three big dudes up front, and they dare you to run outside. The Steelers said okay, and they did that pretty well and pretty consistently throughout the night. Again, my only criticism is you can't sustain that type of offense. Mason Rudolph needs to throw the ball. He averaged uh, throwing the ball, I believe, around 2.3 yards downfield per attempt, which was absolutely uh, terrible. And uh, I, I, you can't you can't do that. I mean, it wasn't terrible because they won the game, but it was terrible in the fact that they didn't let the kid air the ball out. I understand that this is just you know something that. They're trying to do to ease Mason into this new scenario, but Colin Coward today on his show, and usually I I, I do enjoy listening to Colin Coward and, and watching his show, except for some reason, and I'll get into this right now, it pisses me off, um, Sling, who is uh, I use as my cable provider because I thought it was the best deal because I get supposedly all of the sports packages in one deal for 45 bucks a month, which is pretty good. No longer or am I able to get FS1 or FS2. And nobody is explaining to me why Sling has stopped carrying both of those programs. So now I can no longer watch The Herd, Speak for Yourself, or Lock It In, which are three of my favorite shows on television, sports shows. And now I'm stuck watching ESPN. And then Sling was like, 
put up this little error message and was like, we're sorry, but we're no longer carrying FS1 or FS2. But feel free to turn to ESPN to watch their content. Like, get the fuck out of here, excuse my language, sling. If I wanted to watch ESPN, I would have clicked on ESPN. But no, now I can't watch FS1. I tweeted at them. I got no response. I want to know what's happening. Because now I'm going to have to probably get cable, which is terrible. The whole reason that I got Sling and what they say in their commercials is switch to Sling. Don't have cable anymore. And now I switched to Sling and now I need cable. So you've literally done the opposite of your marketing. Sling, if you're listening, which you probably aren't. Sling, you've, you've led me astray. And now I'm probably going to have to switch. And I talked you up. And now I hate you. Anyway, back to the story. And that is that Colin Coward, who I used to watch on Sling, was talking about how basically you can't have a quarterback who averages 8.2 yards per attempt when you actually, the 2.2 yards was through the air, but he overall averaged 8.2 yards per attempt last night. And that you said, he said in his monologue today, that you can't have a quarterback win you games with these safe, not attempting to throw the ball downfield. And uh, Dave Demeshek, who is an NFL um, analyst guy who works for the NFL Network, also a Steelers fan, said, obviously, uh, and this is pretty much my sentiment as well, you can't argue that a 1-3 in three team playing its backup for the rest of the season is destined for the playoffs. Um, that... Basically, he's responding to Cal, uh, Colin Coward saying that their season is over. And, yeah, obviously no one's going to argue with that, saying that a 1-3 in three team playing its backup for the rest of the season probably won't make the playoffs. But for what it's worth, Rudolph's 8.2 yards per attempt last night are better than Brady's 7.6 last, uh, last year and 7.3 this year. Safe passes are in vogue. Mahomes at 9.7 is the outlier. So really, Dave Demeshek here hitting him, uh, hitting Colin Coward with some knowledge, and, and Colin Coward is a hundred percent a fanboy uh, for Tom Brady. He loves Tom Brady; he's his favorite athlete. I don't hate Colin Coward for being a Tom Brady fanboy, but he should know better. Being a Tom Brady fanboy, that Tom Brady only averages exactly uh, what. Uh, Dave Demeshek pointed out right here, 7.6 last year, and he's averaging 7.3 yards this year. You can win the, by throwing short passes, but that doesn't mean that that's always going to work. Mason needs to air the ball out more because he's going to be put into situations where he has to. And last night he didn't, except for when he wanted to, and they went deep to Deontay Johnson for a touchdown again. And right now, on the two deep balls, uh, or excuse me, the uh, three deep balls he's thrown, they've all gone for touchdowns, which is pretty incredible. But the fact remains that you can't you can't ha rely on out scheming your opponent all the time. Sometimes you're going to be behind the chains. Sometimes you're going to need to make a play, and they need to let Mason air the ball out more so that he's comfortable doing it in scenarios where you have to. And again. The running game worked well enough to where they were never really at third and long, and he never really had to make a play downfield, except for one time uh, where he did hit the uh, new tight end, uh, Nick Vernette. Uh, 
as a scramble play, broke down and threw a pretty gr- great pass. I mean, it was a, it was a bad placement ball, but also at the same time pretty good because he put it only where Verrett could catch it, and Verrett was like on the ground, made a scoop play for eleven yards for a first down. Again, it was it was a pretty pretty bad throw, but kind of good at the same time. You just kind of have to watch that replay to understand it because he threw it off his back foot and kind of moving to his left. But again, pretty good when all things considered, was able to uh, Verrett was able to make a really good play on the ball and move the chains. But again, they need to let Mason, a guy in college who set records throwing the football at uh, at Oak State, they need to let him air the ball out more. I'm not saying they need to go away from the short passing game because I believe that's the key to success is hitting those running backs, hitting those guys in short. But they need to hit, just, just hit those intermediate routes. I'm not saying go deep, 40-yard bombs. He's not Pat Mahomes. He's not going to do that. But to be successful, especially against the Ravens, he needs to be able to make the right pass, intermediate routes, not just throwing the short passes. So again, I liked the game. I think the Steelers are in the on the right mindset here. They're doing the good things. Their defense had eight sacks and two turnovers. I mean, that if you had the Steelers' defense and they only gave up three points, and that three points was because um, Deontay Johnson fumbled off the very beginning of the game, uh, you pull out stuff like that and your defense is pretty good. I understand Cincinnati is a terrible team, but in all honesty, I'm not sold on the on the Baltimore Ravens, who the Steelers play this weekend. Um, the only two teams the Ravens have beaten are Miami and Arizona. They lost to the Browns, and they lost to the Chiefs. And though they did play pretty okay against the Chiefs, I still don't think I can trust Lamar Jackson to win me games. He he embarrassed Arizona and embarrassed Miami. Congratulations. The entire league has embarrassed both of those teams this entire season. So that's nothing new. And really... Uh, Cleveland, who really hasn't been that impressive either, uh, they came out and they put up some big numbers, 40 points on that defense of the Ravens. So again, this is interesting because this division is so close. Just like the AFC South, the AFC North now has three teams viable to still in this, like I talked about in uh, last night's uh, or yesterday's episode, I talked about the parody in the NFL and about how the AFC South has all four teams two and two. Now the AFC North has two teams two and two and one team one and three, one game out. If the Steelers beat the Ravens and if Cleveland going to San Francisco loses to an undefeated uh, 49ers team, the Steelers are now in first place in the division. As crazy as that is, and that's because they would be two and zero oh in the division again. The Steelers are sitting pretty because all of their losses come from uh, out-of-division opponents. They have one AFC loss to the Patriots. They have two other losses to NFC teams. That's huge when it comes down to winning in division and winning especially um, in conference and in division games. And they have the 1-0 record in the division. If they win this weekend, they'll be 2-0. And if the other dominoes fall, they'll be back in the driver's seat, which is pretty wild to think about after how bad this season has started. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just telling you there's a chance. Anyway, so I want to talk about um, this NCAA 
uh, rule that I, I guess the governor, uh, Governor Newsom, he's the ca- governor of California of the great state of California, which I unfortunately have the pleasure of living in. He, um, you know, instead of just trying to figure out like why California is the most, you know, has the most debt out of any state in the country, why there's so many homeless people, yada, yada, yada. He thinks the bigger issue in the, for the state of California is to figure out why college kids aren't getting paid. And he believes that they should be paid for their likeness. So, uh, I'll read you pretty much what their intentions are. Uh, Caller, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill to allow college athletes to hire agents and make money from endorsements. Uh, the measure, the first of its kind, threatens the business model of college sports. That's what the t- the headline at the New York Times, which is kind of a shitty art uh, source, because you know we've all know through the news if you follow news. Um, you know, the New York Times has been through a kind of a, a bit of a battle here. Um, where was I reading uh, pretty much the the justification of this of this bill? Uh, with the new law, which is supposed to take effect in 2023, attacks the NCAA long held philosophy that college athletes should earn a degree, not money for playing sports. The view also under assault in several other states on Capitol Hill was held up even as the college sports industry swelled in a behemoth and generated at least $14 billion last year. And as athletes faced mounting demands on their bodies and schedules. Um, let's see. Uh, that's pretty much like what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, let's see. If it survives any legal battles and takes effect, the California measure will apply to the state's biggest college sports programs as well as many of its smaller ones. With limited expectations, the schools and the NCAA will not be allowed to keep students from participating in sports if they have been paid for the use of their names, images, or likeness, whether it whether in connection with lucrative shoe contracts or modest endorsements from local restaurants. Students will also be permitted to hire agents. A move now. Uh, restrict again a lot of this is the pros and cons and how you view whether this is a good thing whether this is a bad thing listen i am completely uh anti ncaa i think it's a it's a con they just make money off these players and it's terrible but the thing is here this is all smoke and mirrors because they want to try to sell this as it benefits everybody when it totally does not the only people it benefits okay they're trying to make it sound, especially the way they word this bill, okay? And they're politicians, so they're greasy liars, okay? They wanted to make it sound like any athlete has the, pow- the power to do this. Let me tell you right now, it's only going to apply to two types of athletes. And that's college football players, and a very small percentage of college football players, by the way. College football players and college basketball players. The rest of this, it does not matter because nobody cares about your image. No one cares about college baseball. Nobody cares about college hockey. Nobody cares about women's sports on any of those collegiate levels. Maybe maybe softball because it's televised on ESPN sometimes. But other than that, nobody cares because nobody's going to want to pay to give you money. But the Zion Williamson's of the world, uh, the... 
Kyler Murray's of the world, the people that have any type of face value, okay, those people will be able to make money. But the way they're making the sound is everyone's going to be able to make money. And that is the biggest blatant lie that's ever been said to anybody. And if you honestly believe and sit here today that they want to make this bill and that they're making it sound like it's going to affect everybody, you are totally misguided. And the bigger uh, bigger thing at play here is this is all smoke and mirrors to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to recruit more players to Pac-12 schools. You can say whatever you want, but that's the underlying cause right here. This is all smoke and mirrors for the NCAA, or for the schools in the Pac-12 to try to get better competition, to try to get better players so that they can compete at higher levels for to make themselves money because guess what football division one football in the ncaa is the biggest revenue maker in college 100 it is a multi-billion dollar industry you don't think that the governor wants more kids to attend the school you're crazy if you don't he wants that because it puts money in the state of california's pockets he wants people to go to school here he wants people to have endorsements. He wants higher games. He wants the schools to be televised. This is all smoke and mirrors and lies. This is not for the greater good. This is to line California's pockets with more money. He doesn't care about you, the individual player. This is all a, a lie, and, 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 and it's, it's all bullshit. Listen, nobody does something because it's good. They do things in the world of politics because it either gives them power or money or both. That's it. Doing this will give the state of California money, and it'll bring better prospects in the sports that people care about, meaning basketball and football, because honestly, nobody gives a rip about any other college sport. They just don't. Those are the sports that make money. Those are the sports that people watch. So that's why this rule matters. And honestly, it's all, like I said, it, it is misguided and people don't understand. I feel bad that these athletes get bamboozled out of millions of dollars, or that uh, out of out of multi, you know, millions of dollars. Especially the fact that they're not allowed to do certain things. Those are rules put in place by the NCAA. Now, a smart businessman, if you are a smart businessman, what you would do is create an alternative league to allow players to be eligible to play and make money. There are leagues that exist like this today. The NBA G League pays a starting salary of $100,000 to players who want to play. You play, I believe it's two years in the NBA G League, you are automatically eligible to play in the NBA. Now the difference is the platform and the televised events in the G League aren't as high as in these college platforms. Now until you are able to get that league a higher viewing point than college basketball, that'll be an alternative. Because who on earth would want to go play for Duke when you don't make any money when I can go play in the G League and make $100,000? Or go play in Europe and make money playing in Europe and I can still join the draft through the Euro League and become an NBA player. These are things that need to be addressed. If you were a smart businessman, you would try to figure out how you can get this league going and get more televised games to get better competition and make people want to watch. Because the NCAA is literally pricing themselves out 
of this point because they are not allowing you to gain any revenue or money while you play. The G League is offering to pay you. If the G League just had as much uh, TV FaceTime as the NCAA did, then you would be set. And now I believe this is where the XFL is going to come in. If I am Vince McMahon and I'm trying to start the XFL, what I am trying to do is I'm not trying to compete with the NFL. You, If you compete with the NFL, you will lose because nobody wants an alternative league. But there is a middle ground to be made here. And if you are a smart businessman, this is what you do. You go after a system in where you pay potential five-star high school recruits to join the XFL and play a minimum of two years or three years or whatever it may be as an alternative to college. You pay them to play, and then you tell them that they will be draft-eligible to enter the NFL whenever they want after they play in the XFL. You figure out how to do that and how to make an agreement with the NFL. You now have a league set up to where you can push the higher recruits to be paid money up front to play, get a televised spot on television where these games become popular, and all of a sudden, the, the recruits that would go to Alabama, that would go to Ohio State, that would go to all these schools, will now turn down because a lot of these kids come from places where they don't make a lot of money and they need money up front. The XFL is fitting this gap, and if they don't try to take advantage of this, things that are happening in California with this bill will ruin what they are trying to do because the NCAA is dumb, okay? The writing is on the wall. This is a problem. What you need to do is if you are Vince McMahon, take control of this opportunity to seize the, 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 the high-profile draft picks. Give them a chance to say, hey, if you play in the XFL, we have televised games. I can pay you close to a million dollars to play here. If you are good, we can try to get you some more money. We can get you FaceTime. You can have an agent. You can get shoe deals if you're good. We can put your face on posters. We can hand out your jerseys, and you can get money for the jerseys that you sell. Right? These are things that you need to convince kids, five-star recruits, out of high school, and you need to grab that. And if you're Vince McMahon, owner of the XFL, you cannot try to compete with the NFL. One, you do not have the talent. Two, nobody cares because we don't need another NFL. We already have one. It works pretty well. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. What we don't have is a competitor for college football, and that would be a thousand times better because you have the ability to literally price them out. They don't want to pay their players because they believe that they're getting a free education and that's payment enough. You can say, eh, that sucks, come here and you'll pay you. We'll pay you to play. You can come here and be paid to play. I don't understand why this isn't a golden opportunity for the XFL, where this isn't a golden opportunity for the G League or some other NBA league to prosper and try to grab these, these people to come to them. I understand that the market of being televised is a big deal, okay? But what you need to do is you need to convince these people they're going to be on prime time. They're going to be given the spotlight, okay? I can tell you right now, 
if you had all the top prospects go to, I think, I think there's six XFL teams set to start this year. If you had all the top prospects get spread out to those six teams, right? All the guys that commit to Alabama, all the guys that commit to Ohio State, all the guys that commit to Auburn and Florida and all these big schools, right? And they all went to six XFL teams. The competition would be way better than watching Ohio State play some bullcrap team or Auburn play Syracuse, right? Nobody cares about those games. You would have good games on all the time because you would have good talent spread out all around. The only issue is getting those games on television and getting people to watch. And it wouldn't eliminate college football. It would still be competitive because you would still have players at that same level, right? You would just take the high caliber guys, right? Who you were willing to pay and willing to give these this, the money to move over to that league. And then in, in the college scene, it would be a lot like college back in the day. You would have people that were just students and athletes, and you could give them scholarships based on their ability to be scholarly, scholarly and to play. It would be better for everyone. There would be less one and duns, you know, two seasons and duns in college football and, ba- and basketball, and you would have better play in this intermediate league where these kids could be compensated based on their ability to play a sport. It's it's a no it's a no-brainer situation. I don't understand why we need legislation from all these crazy people especially in this state because they're ass backwards and they have no idea what they're doing. When really the answer is sitting right in front of us and it's all based on the beautiful capitalist system that is the United States. All we have to do is develop an alternative league that pays people to play. It's super simple. And Vince McMahon has already done that. He just needs to figure out how to get these kids to want to come there instead of here, and then boom, put their faces on posters and everywhere. Give them an agent. Give them a shoe deal. Whatever. Get these kids on you know, the, the, the marquee to make money. And if you can convince the public that we're signing you know, five-star recruits out of high school on the XFL, The competition is now pretty much just like college football, and everybody loves college football. That's what you need to do. That's what a smart businessman should do, and and I 100% think that if if Vince McMahon wants this to succeed, that's the way he has to play this game. His competitor should be the NCAA. It should not be the NFL. He will lose. The NFL has way too much money and way too much power, and the players are at the prime of their career. What he needs to do is steal five-star recruits from college people. Pay them. Because right now, that's his competition. And he has the leg up. He has the leg up. Pay the people that aren't being paid. Give them deals. Let them be have banners and hang from stadiums and give them money. Things they don't have. These kids aren't ever going to get a... The good kids, the really good recruits, they're never going to get a college education. Not right away. Sure, they might go back someday, but they're never going to graduate. They're going to go right to the NFL anyway. Give them a stepping stone, pay them for their services, and send them on their way. Get the next group, just like college does. Be college, but without the college. It, it is mind-blowing that this isn't super simple for him to figure out. And, and I hope it is. I hope this is exactly what he plans on doing. It'll be the greatest thing to ever happen. Stealing five-star recruits from college will teach college that they goofed up. They goofed up from the very beginning. As soon as... This whole thing started started becoming too big, right? They killed the golden goose. They shit on the players 
and stuck to their guns and told them, we're not paying you because we pay you with education. <laughs> no one gives two rats asses about education if you leave in two years, right? If you're the Juju Smith-Schusters who stay until you're a sophomore at USC or Kyler Murray who starts one season and is done, right? These are, no one cares. Please, for the love of God, I want this to happen. I want Vince McMahon to do this. That's how you be successful, not competing with the NFL, compete with the NCAA, the G Leagues of the world, the Euro Leagues of the world. That's how you be successful. Get more televised, get on primetime games, give us something to watch when we don't have anything to watch. Right? Do it. All right, that's going to be my episode for today, guys. Uh, please let me know if uh, you enjoyed the show, if you like what what I'm talking about, if you think I'm an idiot. You can email me at the rant, Eli at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the rant Eli. You can follow me on Instagram at the rant with Eli. Uh, you can tweet at me. You can Instagram me on DM. You can. Email me, tell me what you like, what you didn't like, what you want me to change, what episodes you want me to do. We're going to go back into talking about football um, tomorrow as we have a Thursday night game that's shaping up to be pretty good. It's Rams-Seahawks. Uh, rivalry Thursdays are always a good time. Uh, hopefully this one is just as good as last Thursday's game. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. I appreciate everyone who shares the podcast. Please remember to share with friends, families, uncles, aunts, dogs, cats, grandmas, grandpas, whoever you can. I appreciate everyone who has been sharing the podcast, uh, and I look forward to having more listeners in the future. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, guys, and I'll see you when I see you.